Hello, everybody. My name is Reese Lindmark, and welcome to another edition of Creating a Humanist Blockchain Future, where we focus on effective altruism, universal basic income, the attention economy, and blockchain. And today, uh, I'm really excited to have Joe Ergo on the show, who is the co-founder of District OX, um, the CEO of Sorcerers and the writer of Dapp Daily. And today, we'll be focusing especially on District OX, which is a network of decentralized marketplaces and communities. Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, excited to chat. And uh, today we're actually we're going to focus a little bit on um, kind of at the intersection a bit of, of one part of blockchain, which is this concept of the crowd. And there's this great book called Machine Platform Crowd um, written by McAfee, which talks about the crowd as this new macro trend where we're seeing a transition away from like cores, that's like institutions, companies, what have you, and towards uh, communities and meshes and um, communities. And I think that um, I'm really excited to talk with District OX today because um, you guys have done such a great job of leveraging the crowd. Um, so before we kind of dive into the crowd piece, though, um, Joe, could you tell us a little bit about how exactly District OX works and specifically what the utility value of the token is? Yeah, sure. So District Zero X, it's a, it's a network of decentralized marketplaces powered by Ethereum, Aragon, and IPFS. Um, so markets on the network, which we refer to as districts, they're all built upon the shared framework comprised of smart contracts and front-end libraries, which provide the functionality necessary to operate a communal marketplace. Um, so when I say a communal, communal marketplace, I mean a service such as Airbnb or eBay or Uber, or even like if you were to tack payments onto Reddit. Um, but really something that relies on a, a really massive user base to be able to operate and, and provide good, good value. Um, so to get a better sense of how one of these markets might look like, you could check out Eflance. Um, it's actually been, been live on the mainnet since January, but it's just a, it's just a, a job board, um, kind of like Upwork or Elance, um, really with the inspiration behind those. And that's the, the first market that we've built on this network. But so while those um, those aforementioned services that I've mentioned, such as Airbnb or Uber, uh, they've done a really good job of harnessing the powers of decentralization and network effects to give us better user experiences and kind of lower costs than we had in the past. The government's decisions and financial successes are still restricted to a few, uh, namely the private shareholders in these companies. Um, so what really we really want to do is we want to work trying to build a way for, to put the powers afforded by the network effects back into the hands of the network themselves um, and build a global community of open decentralized marketplaces that are really controlled by their users. Uh, so to do that, when a market's launched on our network, um, a corresponding entity gets created on the Aragon network, and via that entity, all the, all the marketplace's governance processes will occur. So the DNT token we have introduced to facilitate participation in these markets and the governance processes, um, and allows holders to to stake their their DNT to a, a deposit pool, and that deposit pool therefore uh, mints tokens in this Aragon entity. Those Aragon entity tokens can then be used to well essentially vote and propose anything that you you want to vote and propose on. Aragon's pretty a pretty open framework itself, so has a lot of flexibility there. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I love what you say there where you harness the power of network effects for the users themselves, um, where right now those users don't get much of the value that they provide to the network. And a big part of your goal here is to change the platform to make it, hey, um, this marketplace platform 
the power should be in the user's hands. Um, that reminds me of two things. Uh, one, it reminds me of the second theme of that book, Machine Platform Crowd, which is this tr transition over from products to platforms, and you're essentially creating a platform to build new platforms. Um, and the other thing it reminds me of is this concept called platform cooperativism, which is takes Airbnb and Uber and things like that and says, hey, yeah, those people don't have any voting power. You don't, uh, you know, if you're an Uber driver, you don't have power in how the governance happens or what have you, and you probably don't have a percentage, a big percentage stake in Uber itself, um, especially because it hasn't IPO'd, to saying, hey, the people who are doing the thing should, should it should be a flatter ownership structure and they should have power over what they want to say. Um, yeah, is that, that is that pretty much the thought? Absolutely. Yeah. So do you think... Um, and the DNT itself is um, essentially a, it, its utility values primarily as a um, for governance. Is that right, or does it have any additional utility value? Yeah. So DNT itself will be used as the staking token for well for all the marketplaces that the District Zero X team itself is using, and then we envision people also using it as the staking token for for their marketplace in the future, um, and to sort of kind of steer them towards doing that. We're building a, a bunch of ancillary services around the network, um, starting with a, a registry that sort of governs who gets access to this network. Mm. Um, and the DNT, it's based on the ad chain registry model. Um, ad chain registry uses it, its own token, though, to sort of, uh, it's a token curated registry to determine who gets access to their whitelisted, uh, a, a whitelist of verified domains, essentially, um, who are non-fraudulent like non-fraudulent advertisers go, goes on mm. there. So what we're, we've kind of repurposed their model to um, make it like a yes or no decision on who gets access to the network. And when I say access to the network, um, so we're going to be providing an interface that makes it easy for people to actually stake their tokens to these districts um, rather than having to track down a smart contract address and do that all manually. Um, and like be able to see what, I mean, the staking interface will obviously include information about what districts are, like how many people are in it, all this sort of stuff to make it easy to filter. Um, we'll have a, a reg, uh, directory kind of, you think of, um, I mean, like Craigslist, something like that. Or a like, phone book. Yeah, you can do a phone book. Just, like a, just a way to sort through different markets um, and easily find things. Network-wide network -wide search. Um, we're working on a network-wide escrow model. Um, other like network-wide identity and reputation mechanisms so yeah lots of different things that we can sort of do to build a moat around the network and kind of have this value-added um, and sell your service by being part of it mm. um, so like using the token and actually using dnt as a staking token to to provide access to the governance uh, rights will will get you access to this network so that's kind of the utility of dnt got it yeah i think a couple interesting things there. One is, as you say, the fascinating, the ad chain with the ad registry and as in general, this registry concept, um, ad chains using it, you guys are using it. I think we'll see it in this design pattern used in other ways to say who gets access to this network. Let's use this kind of game theoretical way to have people vote to say, hey, I want to get in, pay some DNT. Other people can vote to keep them out and then a voting process happens, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think that's going to determining who gets in and out of networks is going to be a design pattern that we'll see across these networks. Um, so I think that's cool. The other thing that that makes me think of is, um, as you say, this this new kind of moat and, you know, you have networks that uh, moats are harder to create in the blockchain world because you can financially incentivize users at the beginning to get in a new network. So if I'm like, hey, I'm going to make District OX2 um, and come over here and people might be more into it because they're like, oh, District OX, it's already been happening for a while. I can't be an early adopter there. But like you say, you're building network-wide search, escrow reputation as ways to kind of 
um, more incentivize people to join that network uh, to beat some of those financial incentives. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's cool. So let's talk a little bit about the actual um, – uh, some of the things that are happening. You talked about Ethlands. Um, could you talk a little bit? You have two other districts um, that are kind of going to be your prototype districts here. Um, could you talk a little bit about Name Bazaar and Meme Factory and what they're what they'll do? Yeah, certainly. So, I mean, really, what we're we're doing with these first well, Ethlands itself has been live on the the main end since January, um, and then Name Bazaar and and Meme Factory we're building. We're trying to think of marketplaces that will resonate with the Ethereum and crypto community specifically. So, I mean, ENS. Uh, the Ethereum name service is kind of kind of an obvious one that would resonate with the Ethereum community. There's tons of Ethereum itself locked up in that smart contract, um, and yeah, people don't really have a good way to to trade these names right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, name, name Bazaar itself will basically just be that. It's an exchange for Ethereum name service names. Um, we'll also, be able to trade subdomains, which we think will be pretty cool down the road once something like Status, for example, has a, a good amount of users, and like you could actually use your Status identity to. I mean, could have value if you have a desirable name or if you built up a good reputation on it across other platforms because we expect that to interoperate with other platforms too. So, um, yeah, we think subdomains will be an interesting area for trade down the, down the road too. Um, that's, we expect names are to be launched about four to six weeks from now. Um, backend work is pretty much finished. UI work is about 50% complete now. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to getting that launched. The next market after that is uh, uh, Meme Factory, which we're, we're really excited about. Meme Factory, based on, well, we're, Simon De La, La Riviera's curation markets model is kind of like the inspiration behind what we're doing here. Uh, and we kind of envision, envision Meme Factory as being like a, a simple introduction to this and a way for people to sort of to, to start using this concept and like exploring how it might be able to be utilized uh, for maybe more more serious stuff down the road. So. Meme Factory is kind of like a, a hybrid of Burr Pepe Wallet, if you will, and and the subreddit Meme Economy, which Meme Economy has uh, probably a couple hundred thousand users now, but they post post uh, these pictures and people upvote them and downvote them and say silly stuff like, oh, I would pay 100 good boy points for these. And <laughs> there's no no actual transactions going on, but lots of people thinking about it. So um, yeah, Meme Factory will give a way for people to actually start, well, kind of putting some skin in the game and financial uh, value behind these things so how, how we envision it working is when you create a post or you're, you're essentially tokenizing and creating or you're essentially tokenizing and minting one token um, in your your meme anytime someone comes along and upvotes it well it, w- it would feel like an upvote to them what they're really doing is minting one more minting one more of those tokens um, so the the upvote account or the the tally would really just be the amount of tokens in circulation at any given time got it um, and they would have an, an escalating pricing curve. So anytime, so the first person can make theirs, say the second person comes, first person mints theirs, say they put one Ethereum in to do so. Second person comes along, uh, maybe they have to pay two to do so. Third person comes along, they have to pay three to do so. Yep. So at that point you have six, six Ethereum in the pot. First person could go ahead and withdraw their, withdraw their, uh, token by essentially burning it or downvoting it. It would look like to them. Yep. And and that just depo- withdraws their their stake of the deposit pool. So they went from depositing one one ether to to mint this meme, and they double up their money by withdrawing two ether. So yeah, uh, yeah pretty easy uh, mechanism for people to understand how creation markets kind of work and start playing with them. And uh, yeah, we I think in general it's a really powerful concept, and will be used for tons of different stuff. 
um, down the road, but this is a, a simple introduction, it feels like, and one that we think will get, we've already seen examples of it getting traction with Rare Pepe Wallet and stuff like that, so we think it's, we can kind of just pattern match that and get some traction. Yeah, I think, I mean, I love, well, first, I think it's cool that you guys are, with Name Bazaar, you're actually, you guys are a team that produces stuff, you know, a lot of people are like, ICOs, ah, blah, 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 and there's no, there's no product, there's just a pitch deck, there's a video, there might be white people, whatever, you guys, ETH Lance is live, Name Bazaar is looking to be live in six weeks, so I think it's cool that you guys ship product, because um, that's, that's a key part of this network, is seeing, um, yeah, can, can the people actually ship, what happens to the Ethereum network after that happens, um, so I think that's cool, the thing that's cool with the meme factory is i think it gets at this a lot of people are like utility value of tokens is all that tokens should be used for the tokens that don't have utility value um are bad essentially but i think that meme factory is you know it's this mimetic slash collectible value um which is it's it's a way to represent the value underlying value of the network it's this cool different way to use tokens and so i think that um it's it'll be a good way to kind of show the world hey it shouldn't just be utility value. Like Dogecoin has a two hundred million dollar market cap because it's a good meme. <laughs> yeah, I mean we've seen we've seen collectibles be popular for ages. I mean, yeah. I, growing up as a kid, I used to trade basketball cards and Pokemon cards uh, yep. pretty pretty heavily. So yeah, I mean it's not too far off of a concept from something like that, really. Yep. I also love your explanation of curation markets, by the way. Um, it's just it's connecting it to upvotes and downvotes, I think, is a key way for people to understand their Reddit reality, then to understand this new curation market reality. Um, and then one plus two plus three over three is two. Um, so I think that's also good. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Um, the other thing that I want to talk about finally on that, talking about this crowd and core kind of thing, is um, it's just another cool example of how District OX is part of this um, general crowd of people. They're using Aragon. There's the ad registry. They're using a curation markets, which was a you know a, a, something that was thought of by Simon. So it's this cool kind of world of interactions that are happening here with this crowd of people making things in the space. Um, and one thing that you guys do really well, talking about that crowd, is your I think your proposals are really fascinating. Um, you guys have like 150 different um, district proposals on your marketplace uh, or on, on your GitHub. So could you kind of explain um, what those proposals are and what, what the goal is with them? Yeah, well, so the goal, um, well, so after Name Bazaar and Meme Factory, we plan to see the network with five more districts at least before we launch our creation interface. Um, and to do that, the reason for, for doing that is we really need to feel comfortable enough with this framework that we're building that is general purpose enough that anyone can launch whatever kind of district or marketplace they want to on top of it. So perfect way to do that is we'll let the community to tell us what they want to build for the, the, these next five marketplaces that we're going to build ourselves and actually vote on it and, yeah, let, it, let them decide what they want to see. So what we're doing there, um, we had this proposal process where people can actually earn some DNT just by submitting an idea to our GitHub. Um, I think we are up to, looks like, 143. 143 open, um, 15 have been closed, but yeah, it looks like we had 162 total submitted. So yeah, tons of really cool ideas there. Um, lots of, I mean, we're going to end up building at least five of them. Hopefully someone, hopefully people end up building all these out on the, once the creation interface is live though. So um, yeah, really the proposal process is just a way for the community to tell us what they want to build and to go ahead and use their tokens to vote for it. Yeah, and I think, and like you say, that's another great use of the DNT token, which is to say, hey, 
you can vote on which proposals you'd like to see next based off of there's 150 which one should you vote on okay do you like this one do you like that one um and there are i mean if you go i'll, I'll put the link online but there's just a ton of really fascinating uh districts on here uh photo markets you got like uh uh, something called Hive Commons, which is about um, kind of crowdsourcing and crowdfunding people. You have all kinds of different, really interesting. Uh, you have uh, Decentraland. They have a market, a uh, district rather that they place on there. So um, mm -hmm. it's it's fascinating for me to see. And I guess for you as a question, when you think about kind of engaging the community here, and if you were going to like give some tips to someone else to engage with the community. Um, you guys have done a great job with the proposals through GitHub. You have a very active Slack channel, 3,000 active members. Um, how would you, you know, how do you think about that and how do you think about kind of the best practices for curating a new age blockchain community? Really, it's just a lot of a lot of uh, the hard work and being online on Slack. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not say hard work, but just being in front of your computer and yeah, chatting with people. Um, people are very, it's been great to see people like so so interested in what we're building and wanting to engage with us so yeah we've been happy to be online and, and doing so engaging with them but that's kind of that's kind of the key once people are in there and they see oh the the founders and the teams like really active chatting and they know that they can come in and actually have a, a, a say in what's going on in, in the project so um yeah it's kind of just just walking the walk yeah yeah i think that's yeah. interesting well kind of, or can I, it's not really any not really any secret that I've discovered. I guess I would say. <laughs> yeah, you're just a nice dude in a Slack channel, essentially. Do you think how will that scale though? So let's pretend it's three years in the future. Uh, mm -hmm. The District of Slack now has not three thousand but thirty thousand people in it. How are you? Th or I mean, we're not using Slack at that point in time, clearly. But um, what? So what are your? Yeah, how do you think about scaling that over time? Definitely, uh, definitely going to be a challenge. Even with Slack itself, we're already seeing issues with. I mean, scams are kind of over running rampant on Slack. Um, unfortunately, every crypto community seems to be dealing with it at the moment. Yep. But um, yeah, uh, already already run into into this sort of issue. So um, like I know Aragon had proposed a solution to uh, build a. I think their Rocket Chat was the one they were looking to improve. But um, as a group, sort of, or as a community, come together and make some improvements to Rocket Chat that would make it more uh, more useful for the crypto community itself. So, um, yeah, I think things like that, like natural solutions, will kind of come together and, and build ourselves. But, yeah, it's definitely going to be a challenge managing, uh, just keeping everyone organized. And we think, like, voting itself, uh, like improvements to the voting process. So, like, Aragon right now, like, their voting structure is pretty bare bones. Yes, you propose something, you can vote on it. But there's going to be modules in Aragon, too, where, like, the different voting different types of like liquid democracy they see or we'll have future arc or other types of other types of governance processes integrated into Aragon. So I think we'll see lots of different um, lots of involvement in the processes without even someone being directly involved and in actively voting on every single vote. They could find someone that they know totally. that shares their interests and uh, participate themselves. So when in doubt liquid democracy it exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or determine your output metrics for Futarchy. Yeah, I think that yeah. that is right that someone like um, Aragon will be the place where lots of people will be able to see, ooh, how is, um, what is that crowd? How are they, or, you know, working with the crowd there? Um, and you'll mm -hmm. see different, they work with the crowd differently than you guys work with the crowd, and there'll be kind of cross-pollination of crowd and community work. Um, 
One thing that uh, Joe and I want to talk about as well is kind of the role of transparency within the crowd. And because um, you guys are transparent with a bunch of things, including like your salaries and like Aragon is transparent. Um, They just had a transparency thing, uh, transparent about a bunch of their um, kind of wallets that they use and where the money's going. So could you talk a little bit about um, transparency and why it's important to kind of crowd and community work? Yeah, I mean... With these all these open source projects in itself, I mean, we're really collecting funds to build a community project here. So we feel like the community has uh, has like 100% right to know what's going on at any given time and where the funds are being spent. And uh, yeah, what's they should have they should have the right to transparency. Um, just like I mean, if you were to invest in a stock, uh, not that it's, not that these are buying securities or anything of the sort, but you you have you you have the guarantee that you're going to see at least quarterly reports stuff like that. So I mean we can sort of build in those natural natural things ourselves without being regulated into doing it. So um, we have made a transparency policy where really we have committed to well always having our multi sig wallet. So we have a page it's at district0x.io/transparency, but you can go there at any given time. Uh, check out our multi-sig wallet, see where all of our funds are. You can view our wages, see exactly when and how much the team's been paid. You can check out our project roadmap and know where we are at any given time there, our GitHub repo. Um, all like pretty pretty simple things that we think that we think most projects should be sharing. We are going to be doing quarterly updates. Um, so like Q3, we'll do a, an update kind of like on our financial position and just our progress in general. Um, we do development updates every two weeks. We do a weekly roundup on Saturdays. So all things just to keep the community up to date and aware of what's going on. Uh, it's kind of, a, in my mind, it's essential to, to running a community project and keeping them, yep. keeping the community engaged and wanting to, wanting to see you succeed. Yeah. I think that that gets at two cool, interesting things. The first is, like you said, there's like you being active on Slack is one part of it, uh, of like building a good community. The other part is keeping everybody kind of engaged over time at like a overtime basis. Like, okay, every, you know, and for me, every week I get a District OX newsletter. I'm like, okay, cool. What's happening this week? Um, so I think it's cool from a engagement perspective. And like you say, it's kind of, and this is kind of changing the ways that we say, hey, it's kind of the rights of the community to know things like your salary or what have you, which is definitely not the case in like traditional corporations or whatever. Um, I think that that is a kind of a fascinating new way to say, hey, let's be transparent about this. And the transparency will kind of hopefully create more good in the world um, by, mm-hmm. by not hiding any of like kind of bad things or what have you. Yeah. And I mean, we already see some examples of, of like traditional companies doing that themselves so buffer is a really good example mm-hmm. buffer has their a salary page where they you can they have a formula you can tell what it, any person on their team given their their role or where they're at will, would make so i mean you already see some examples of progressive companies doing that yeah. in the real world so i mean as as blockchain projects that are supposedly on the bleeding edge we should all be looking for things like that to do the same definitely yeah there's a convergence of we're just yeah i agree i fully agree with all that and it's good to always rep the people who are in the non-blockchain world doing things that we do as well um so one thing that uh it's kind of in close to wrap-up mode here one thing that joe and i also want to talk about was uh we've been talking about a lot about the crowd and how um to kind of leverage the crowd and to distribute tokens to them and to have them propose new districts and to um you know be transparent and all those kinds of things but 
we also want to talk about what the core does. And so, um, you know, because we still need to, it's not like the, the crowd can be all that there is these days. So, Joe, how do you kind of see the role of the core, whether it's the, the you know, core contributors to District OX or the core, maybe something like Consensus, or you guys are currently part of Boost VC's tribe? How do you kind of see the core um, operating going forward in blockchain land? I think a lot of projects have sort of committed to or at least stated the desire to it kind of lead the project the first few years, um, get it get traction, make sure things are in, going in the right direction, um, build up a, a good developer community around their project. And then of that sort, sort of be able to not sail off into the sunset, but be able to distribute the governance of like the actual network itself more, or not to the network itself, but the governance of like the project management more to more to token holders itself. Um, and tools like Aragon and stuff as they mature will will allow for that. So, I mean, right now there's really not a great mechanism for controlling a multi-sig wallet uh, in a decentralized manner. Um, you just can't feasibly do it. Something like Aragon, they could maybe in a year from now that, that'd be possible. So, um, yeah, we sort of see the role of the team as well. We obviously have our we're here working working full time on on this for the next few years um, and. For the, probably probably much longer than that, but we want the we don't need to be um, like controlling every decision to still be working on it full time, you know. Um, so we want to gradually keep turning over more and more of the decision making processes to the token holders. And I think I think you'll see a lot of projects kind of take that stance. Like Aragon is doing the same. Status plans on doing the same. Um, so I think that's kind of kind of the what will the trend that we'll see. Yeah, and it's very it's going to be very much reliant upon the tools that can facilitate that developing, um, but I think that there's enough very strong teams working on those, like Aragon specifically, that we'll see those happen. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I think that the, as you say, the role of the, your general goal, is, I'm reminded of something that Olaf Carlson we said about polychain capital and how in the future he might be, there might be a DAO for polychain and he might just be one of the key token holders in that DAO or what have you. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's kind of that's something that you see as well. Um, I also think that, like you say, it's key to have some amount of consistency over time where it's like, hey, you know that District OX, even if you guys had zero community members, you would still be chugging away for the next couple years on this thing. You know, that that kind of comfort or, you know, foundation, I think, is key mm -hmm. to, to what, how cores kind of imagine themselves going forward. Um, Definitely. And I think teams can sort of build in that commitment themselves, too, just with vesting schedules. It's like the, the obvious way to do so. Yeah. Yeah, I think that there's vesting schedules. I'm also reminded of Martin Kopelman uh, making a public tweet that said, hey, I am going to commit you know, this, the next I have two to four years, I forgot exactly how long, on Gnosis, you know, and so it's like a way to say, hey, this is a public commitment, whether it's a vesting commitment, whatever, say, I'm going to be here for the long haul. I think that's cool. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of to wrap up here, um, is there anything, so we've talked about a good amount of kind of crowd-facing things today and also a little bit of core-facing things, um, kind of diving in on a little bit of District OX's uh, kind of specific uh, things that you guys are doing these days. Do you have um, any final thing to say to the listeners, whether it's it can be a non-sequitur, it, it can be anything you want? What's, what's on the top of your mind? Yeah, I mean, the best way to come get involved is to check out our proposal process that we, that we touched on earlier. If you got any good ideas for a marketplace that you'd like to see built, um, yeah, come and come and share it with us. Uh, you can earn some some DNT for doing so and get involved with the community. Uh, we have a pretty active Slack. We're always happy to chat. So, yeah, um, come check out what we're building. Happy to happy to talk. 
Boom. As Joe said, he is happy to talk. He will be on Slack. If there's more than 10 minutes where he doesn't respond, I will personally email him. <laughs> Joe, get on your game. Um, great. So honestly, definitely check it out. District OX. Um, that's district and then a zero and then an X. Um, and check out their proposals. Check out the Slack community. Become part of the community and the crowd that's working to create new kinds of decentralized marketplaces, which will be more cooperative uh, going forward. Um, and with that, thank you all so much for being here. Thank you, Joe, for coming on the show. Um, and we'll see you all. Oh, I, I guess I should, probably should say, if you want to support me on Patreon, you can do so at patreon.com slash Rieslandmark. That's slash R-H-Y-S-L-I-N-D-M-A-R-K. Great. Thanks so much, Joe. And bye. Thanks for having me. Peace. Cheers.